Hey, this is Dino, and I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and will help you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Revolution Church. I'm Devin Croner, and if I look familiar to some of you, it's because I worked with Pastor Dino in Michigan. We're so glad to have you with us today as we continue this series that we're calling The Sweet Spot. You know, there are so many things that come to mind when you think of that term. And I wonder, what does it mean to you as you hear that to be in the sweet spot in your relationship with God? I would love for you right now to just drop a comment in the chat. What does it look like for you to be in that place? That's what we want to get to. That's what we want to discover over the course of this series. And I understand for each and every one of us, it's going to be a little different for some people. It might be having a more uh, enriched prayer life. For some people, you feel like you're in your sweet spot when you are ministering to others. For some people, it's going to be developing your Bible reading or your, your quiet time with God. Whatever it might be, let God lead you to find that place. By definition, the, the term sweet spot means this. It's any set of conditions that is optimal for obtaining a desired Result. Our desired result is always to draw closer in our relationship with God. You know, when they launched the space shuttle, it's because they found a sweet spot in the weather conditions. When a, when a batter hits a home run out of the park, it's because he hit the sweet spot on his bat. Each and every one of us has that sweet spot that we can find in our relationship with the Lord. Doctor and author Christine Carter says it like this. She says, the sweet spot is where you have the greatest strength, but also the least stress and greatest ease. I love that because even though it's not what she's specifically talking about, it sounds a lot like our theme verse for this series, which is Romans 5.17, where Paul talks about reigning in life. You know, the idea of reigning in life really indicates two things to us. Number one, that it's meant for here and now, not just in heaven. Reigning in life isn't going to matter when we're in heaven with Jesus because he's going to be reigning over all of it. The other thing, though, is that it indicates that we are not supposed to have this sometimes connection, on and off connection with God's divine plan and power. Reigning is continual. Now, encounters can be awesome. Have you ever had an encounter with God? I know I have. I, I remember one time when I was a first-year Bible school student and Dr. Kenneth Hagin, when he was alive, was ministering on the love walk. And in the middle of his message, he just stops and he spins to the side, begins to pray in the Spirit for a moment, and he just sits down on the stage and begins to prophesy as to what was going to happen the rest of that year and the year after that and the year after that. And all 3,000 of us that were sitting there, students and ministers, we just sat there in awe. We, we didn't move. Nobody coughed. Nobody got up and go to the bathroom. Nobody left early. We didn't want to break that presence in that moment. It was awesome. And I remember it. But you know where I was the next night? I was at the pizza buffet with some friends. See, the thing about moments is that in this life, in this world, moments come and go. They're going to fade out. And we can't live in that place. But you know, the sad thing is, a lot of believers live in moments in their relationship with God. You know, when they're having the moment and things are good, everything's great, they're ready to take on the world, they're ready to believe for big things, God's moving, who let's go. But when things are hard, when there's stress, when their prayers aren't being answered right away, when something is coming against them, a lot of people feel like, God isn't listening, God doesn't love me, maybe I'm not saved. 
You ever, you ever felt like that? You ever been in that place where one moment you're ready to take the world for Jesus and the other moment you're not even sure you're a Christian? I've had moments like that. Even as a minister, I've had moments like that. Every single one of us had. Now, moments, again, can be good or bad and still teach us things. Now, remember David had moments. He had a moment with a lion and a bear that prepared him for a moment with the giant. He also had a moment where he killed a guy because he'd slept with his wife and got her pregnant and didn't want anybody to know. Peter had moments. He had a moment in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, where he declares Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, this is revelation nobody else has. It came straight from God. Eight verses later, same setting, same meeting, same place. He's calling Jesus out, telling him he's wrong. Jesus calls him the devil. We, we all have moments. Now, I'm grateful for the good moments that I've experienced in my life, like the moment where God audibly spoke to me, called me into ministry when I was in the seventh grade. That's awesome. I'm, I'm grateful for moments like I remember a moment I had where I prayed for a young boy who had infection in his ears and fluid on his brain. And as soon as I prayed for him, he was instantaneously healed. Those moments are awesome. And it's good to remember them and reflect. But again, we can't live there. In fact, I want to tell you something that you, you likely already know. God's intention for you and I in our relationship with Him is not just to have moments. He doesn't want your spiritual life to be this roller coaster journey up and down where things are good and then things are not good. He wants you to have consistency in your relationship with Him. But do you know what it takes to build consistency? It takes practice. It takes practice. And what I mean by that is that we, we need to get to a place where after you're saved and you have a relationship with Jesus, you're not running to a prayer meeting to get something from God. You can get something from God in your own prayer time. You don't have to have a pastor pray for you. You know, that's one of the things that I love when people in my church would get a hold of, that they didn't have to call me or come up to the front and have me pray for them. They can pray. They can believe for their kids, for their spouse, for themselves. I'm happy to pray the prayer of agreement, but God wants to speak to you and move in your life just like he wants to do in mine. Those things take practice, though. It's not just automatic. And, and this is not pie in the sky wishful thinking. I, I, I promise it's not just minister. Oh, here's where you want to get. Just live in this continual consistency with God. You can get there, and it starts by being in the place that Pastor Dino talked about, understanding your position and your relationship with Christ. If you don't understand that, if you don't have that, nothing else is going to work, right? The Bible tells us that when we come into a relationship with Him, again, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness means you have position, you have authority, you have the ability to access everything that's available to you. My kids are righteous in my house. They don't have to ask for something to eat. They have a position. Now you come over and you want to eat my food, you better ask me. Right? That's what righteousness is. And here's the beautiful thing about righteousness. Is it, it works in your life. It affects your life, even if you don't feel like it even if you're having a bad day, even if everything is going wrong. That is the first and most important step to getting to your spiritual sweet spot, is understanding your position and being in right relationship with God. And it's not about anything you do. It's about what Jesus has already done. But then he wants us to grow. He wants us to develop. And that's going to take practice, specifically practicing his presence. You know, my dad, 
was a sports reporter for a regional newspaper my entire life growing up. And occasionally he would take me to games that he was covering. We'd always go early so that he could get the lineups ready, maybe do a couple interviews early, all that sort of stuff. But I remember one time he took me to a college championship series game, a uh, baseball game. And we get there early and I was amazed to see this team that was out practicing, getting ready to play a championship game, scholarship athletes and they were batting off of tees. Mm. And I thought that was so weird. And I didn't bother my dad while he was working, but as we were driving back after the game, I asked him, I said, how could these guys be so good that they're in the championship if they're so bad at hitting that they have to bat off of tees? And he explained to me, it wasn't because they were bad. That was part of the reason they were good. See, what, what happens is that they bat off of the tees at that level, starting, starting from when you're three and you're playing t-ball, they continue doing that. The really good athletes continue doing that because when you bat off of the tee, you have to stand in the exact same stance to hit it. You have to hold the bat the exact same way. You have to have the exact same swing or follow through because if you wanna hit that sweet spot, which is about a two inch section on the, edge, on the end of every bat, so that you get the power and the distance, you have to do it exactly the same way. It's about consistency. And he said, that's why they do it that way. They practice it that way so that they become consistent. And it creates in sports what we call muscle memory, where they do it over and over, the same position, the same hand position, the same swing, all of it over and over and over, hundreds and thousands of times even, so that every time they step to the plate, they're gonna swing it the same way. And when they don't, they know it because it's gonna feel different. Now imagine that idea of practice applied to your spiritual life. Imagine it this way, where not just on a few occasions, but every single day, you can talk to God, you can be led, guided, and directed by the Spirit of God and know His voice in whatever situation you're facing. Imagine that when you are facing trouble in your marriage, when you're having an issue with your kids, when there's something going on at the job, when you have to make a big decision with your finances, you don't have to fret. You don't have to run and activate every prayer chain in existence. You don't have to Google answers. You don't have to get on Facebook and ask for 500 comments. You can go and pray and talk to God and He will give you wisdom and direction. See friends, the beautiful thing is you don't have to imagine that. As a believer, that's the kind of life he wants for you and I. Not just me as a minister, but every single person who is the righteousness of God in Christ. But that kind of relationship, that kind of, that kind of leading of the Spirit is something that does take practice. Again, if you want to be a good cook, you have to practice, right? If you, if you want to be good with an instrument, you have to practice. If you want to survive the diamond course on the slopes, you'd better practice. You know, the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. If you want to consistently hear the voice of God, not just have moments. Again, I have nothing against having encounters, but I think God wants so much more for us than just encounters. We need to practice. Now, now listen to me clearly. In fact, I want you to put down the device that you're playing a game on while you're listening to this message. I want you to look in my eyes as I say this. You do not need to practice to be more loved by God.
You do not need to practice to be more saved or to be more accepted. Everything that God gives us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that salvation experience, that's free. It's a gift. All you have to do is accept it. You don't have to practice anything for that. But if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to develop your faith life, if you want to develop the spiritual gifts that God has placed in you, or even discover what those gifts are, that is going to take practice. Salvation always was, is, and will be free. But everything else that comes in your life, in this life, the ability to rule and reign the way God intends, is going to take some practice. And how do we do that? How do we do that? We have to practice His presence. I want you to tell yourself that right now. Say, I'm going to practice God's presence in my life. What does that look like? See, I believe God's presence is the sweet spot. It's not just about finding my place, although there's an element of that. It's not just about understanding my gifting, although there's an element of that. If you don't have His presence in your life, none of the other stuff is going to matter. Now watch this. Look at, look at what the Bible says in John 10, verse 27, the New Living Translation. It reads this way. Jesus is speaking. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's all sorts of actions taking place in this verse, but I want you to notice in this one simple verse that it, Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. Do you understand there's a big difference between hearing and listening? We hear stuff all the time. I mean, our world, you are constantly saturated with stuff that you're hearing. You're hearing advertising. You're hearing news. You're hearing stuff on Facebook. You're hearing notifications popping up on your phone. I had to turn those off while I'm preaching so it wouldn't ding at me because they just are constantly bombarding every area of our life. But to listen is different. To listen means that we're going to focus our attention on something. See, if you're hearing, a lot of us hear that chatter. You ever hear chatter in your mind? That chatter tells you you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You're not a good enough spouse, not a good enough parent, not good enough on your job. We're always bombarded by all the stuff that we hear. This year alone, we've heard that we need to stockpile toilet paper that we need to be suspicious of vaccines, that we need to not trust the elections, that we need to constantly walk in fear in every area of our lives. Now, I don't want to be political, but, but, but I do want to say this. All that chatter that produces fear and anxiety, that's not the way my God speaks. My God speaks things into existence that will be. My God speaks and things change. But when I'm not hearing His voice and I'm hearing all that other stuff, it's going to create fear and confusion and anxiety in my life. I have to practice His presence so that I learn to tune out all that other stuff and locate, God, what are you speaking right now? Because do we need to listen to wisdom and follow advice of, of people that are in authority? Sure, we need to do that. But you know what we need above all else? We need the voice and direction of God. You know, when the pandemic was first breaking out and everything was shutting down and they told us, close everything, close everything. You know, I, I spent some time listening to the voice of God for, for my church and what we were supposed to do. And I heard him say, create space for people. Now, I didn't know what that meant, but I literally went through our church and started pitching stuff and creating space. I didn't know what for. But as soon as I was done, trucks started showing up with food. I mean one after another, vans, trucks, trailers full. And at the height of the pandemic, my little church 
and a church that we were partnered with, we were helping hundreds of families a week with milk and vegetables and cheese and so many frozen pizzas. It's not even funny. Now, if I had gone by what I was just hearing, we would have just shut down like everybody else and waited it out, and we would have missed the opportunity to minister to people. Now, what we did, we did in as safe a way as we could possibly do. So we took all the advice that we could, but we still listened to the voice of God above it all. That's what you have to be able to do. But if you can't recognize the voice of the Spirit, if you don't know how to practice His presence and be led by the Spirit, and, and have done that consistently, then when those hard times come, when those crises come, you're going to just hear all the other stuff. And a lot of people make decisions that are not what God really wants and intends for them. So, how do you practice His presence, you ask? I'm so glad you asked. Now, there are a lot of different ways that you can do it, and I think every person needs to spend some time practicing what works for you. Some people are morning people. Some people are night people. You know, asking me to get up for a 5.30 a.m. prayer service, Jesus ain't going to speak to me at 5.30 in the morning. But you know what? 11.30 at night, I'm still good to go. All right? So you have to find physically, naturally, what works for you. But, but let me just give you something. This was given to me in fifth grade. And this is how I developed practicing God's presence and hearing God's voice in, in my life. So I've got this stool right here. Hopefully you can, you can see this. I took two stools. My pastor taught me this again in fifth grade. He said, take two stools and find a quiet place. Find a, a, a closet, a basement, an office, someplace where there's no distractions, no TV, no radio. Leave the phone outside, all that stuff. Put the stool down, sit in the other one, look at it. And imagine Jesus is sitting there and you talk to him. You talk to him. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. I know them. And they follow me. Now, I understand it's going to seem a little silly talking to a stool. I, I get that. And that's because of all that chatter. That's because of all the things that we hear. That's because of all the natural stuff. But after you get past feeling a little funny about it, and you begin to realize what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. He says, do you not know you are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God dwells within you. See, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, everywhere you are, God is. So you take the stool and you talk to God just like you're talking to a spouse, talking to a friend, talking to a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever it might Like you're talking to somebody on FaceTime or whatever it is. You talk to him. Now understand, that's what prayer is, friends. Prayer is a conversation. It's talking. Now, it's not always a monologue. There are times when we're going to talk to God. We're going to pour out our hearts to Him. We're going to tell Him all of our problems and our issues. And, and we're just going to give it to Him. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But He wants prayer to be a conversation. He wants it to be a dialogue where you talk to Him. And you, you speak. You share your heart your fears, your concerns, your worries, your needs, whatever it might be, and then you listen. And again, after you get past the weirdness of, I'm talking to a chair, and you cut out all the distractions, what'll happen is you'll start to recognize this, what the Bible calls a still small voice. You, you probably won't hear it with your physical ears. Some people have, but most people don't hear it that way. But just down on the inside, it's like something is speaking up out of your spirit. I, I, I can't explain it any better than that. It's like this voice inside that just begins to speak to you. That's the Spirit of God. He wants to talk to you. But again, that still small voice is going to get drowned out if you don't learn to locate it first. And so you practice 
His presence. Now, here's the thing that I'll share with you, and I don't, I don't say this in a, in a braggadocious way at all, but over the course of years, from fifth grade on, doing this in my life, I, I've learned to identify the voice of God to where most of the time, I don't have to spend hours and hours and days in prayer asking God and waiting for direction. Sometimes I do. Sometimes he doesn't give me the answers that I want. Sometimes he doesn't give me an answer at all right away. Or he gives me an answer through somebody else later on. But probably 80% of the time, when I'm just asking him about decisions that I need to make with my family or what I need to do in ministry or whatever it might be, God, what do you think about this? And I take that moment and I listen, he'll speak to me. But I've developed that. I've practiced his presence enough that I've learned to identify his voice so that when I'm out there, when I have a, a deal falling apart in real estate, when I have a church member in crisis, when something goes wrong with, with my family, my wife called one day and said, the kids, we were attacked by a dog. I didn't know anything else. Just begin to pray and God will speak to you in that moment. And you learn to have learned to recognize his voice. And what happens is there's such peace because you know he's going to lead you and guide you and direct you and help you. It's awesome. And, and he doesn't do that for me because I'm a minister or a Bible school grad. He does it for me because I'm his child. He does it for me because of the position that I'm in, that you can be in, maybe are in, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then all you have to do is you have to come to him which is exactly what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 when it says, come boldly before the throne of grace. I don't come before God. Well, God, if you got some time today, I'd really like to ask you. My kids don't do that when they come to me. I'm not going to do that when I go to my father. Why? Because he wants to speak to me. But I have to practice his presence because in this world, in this life, that doesn't make a lot of sense here. And so you have to identify that voice. And as you do it, and you do it, and you do it consistently the same way every time, you'll find this. God's presence is the sweet spot. God's presence is the sweet spot. You know, are you experiencing God's presence in your life? Have you had encounters? Or are you walking in it? That's, that's where I want to leave you today. There's a difference. Experiencing it means you're in the right place at the right time to have a moment. And that's great. We all need that in our lives sometimes. But God wants you to continually walk in his presence. And that takes practice. You know, before we go, I'd like to pray for you if I could. And I'd like to pray for two different things. First of all, if you're listening to this message and you say, I don't know anything about the presence of God like this. I haven't had encounters and I'm certainly not living in it. But I want to be in a relationship with a God where I can have that kind of peace, where I can have that kind of direction. You know, the Bible tells us that God offers us this gift called salvation because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and it's free. You'll never be able to earn it. You'll never feel like you deserve it on your own, and you can't buy it. But he says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. The second thing that I'm going to want to pray for is if you know that you need to practice God's presence and you need to develop it, I'm going to pray that God will help you to cut out all the noise and stuff that you hear. And as you begin to seek him and practice consistently and continually, that he'll begin to speak to you. Would you... Just close your eyes for a moment wherever you are, unless you're driving, then don't close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray. And if you say, I, I need to know this God that you're talking about, 
Devin, I, I, I want to know him for myself. Then I want you to just say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe he is the Son of God. And right now, I ask you, Lord, come into my life, rule and reign in me, and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Hopefully this message was encouraging to you. And if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.